You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. From ABC News, World News This Week. I'm Chuck Sievertson in New York. Coming up... I am determined to make this right. We've already breathed this stuff in. How do you make it right? A mea culpa and unanswered questions over the toxic train derailment in Ohio. The president unveils his budget. Let's have a conversation about how to grow the economy, lower costs, and reduce the deficit. Tragedy for families of two Americans kidnapped and killed in Mexico. It was my baby. For him to be taken from me like that, it was... It was very, very hurtful. And Oscar time. Well, I'm not rooting for getting slapped, but it is fun when something weird happens. The people and events that made headlines when World News This Week continues. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I am determined to make this right. That's the head of Norfolk Southern Railroad, Alan Shaw, testifying before a Senate committee on the fallout surrounding the train derailment and controlled burn of toxic chemicals in East Palestine, Ohio, last month. Shaw facing a barrage of questions from not only lawmakers, but from the people who say they're affected by the toxins in their community. They claim that not enough is being done to clean up the area or to give them the compensation they need. John Theory has his doubts. We've already breathed this stuff in. How do you make it right? You know? Has some, any damage been done already? More from ABC's Gio Benitez, who was at the hearing this week. Alan Shaw telling the residents of East Palestine, the site of that toxic train derailment, that he is deeply sorry. I'm committed to doing what's right. You know, we're going to be there today, tomorrow, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Senators pressing Shaw about paying for long-term damage like diminished property values and health care costs for the residents of East Palestine. But the CEO short on specifics. We're going to do what's right for the citizens of East What's right is to cover their health care needs. Will you do that? Everything is on the table, sir. Jessica Connard, a mother of three, traveled here from East Palestine. I'm very aware of what these chemicals and toxins can do to your body, and obviously it's terrifying and it's devastating. Um, We're not drinking the water right now. You don't Um, trust that the water is safe to drink? uh, No. Jamie Koza also said outside the hearing room that people are being forced back into their homes. How would you feel taking your child into a home that you knew wasn't safe and watching your child be sick and not being able to get that child out of that home because you don't have the money to? 
But just as this hearing was taking place, word of another Norfolk Southern train derailment, this time in Alabama. The train was headed to Mississippi from Atlanta. Officials say no one was hurt and that the cars weren't carrying any hazardous materials at the time of the derailment. But Norfolk Southern spokesman Connor Spielmaker did say that two of the cars had what's called a residue of hazardous material. Those were residue cars because they do not have a load in them. Uh, They did not breach. There is no hazardous material leak. There is no risk at all to the public. It might seem as if there are more derailments happening now, but ABC's Sam Sweeney points out that the rail industry has been dealing with them for years. Seems like there's a lot of derailments happening right now, but the railroad industry deals with about a thousand derailments a year. That's roughly three per day. Now, most of them are in rail yards uh, and we don't hear about them. They're not reported in the news. But right now, there, of course, is a heavy focus on this industry. So we are hearing about almost all of them. All this is a bipartisan group of lawmakers proposed legislation that they say will strengthen rail safety. Here again, ABC's Gio Benitez with some of the details of that bill. We're talking about enhancing safety precautions for trains carrying hazardous material. That is an obvious one, and that's going to be really taking center stage here. Requires a two-person crew aboard all trains. Increases the fines that the Department of Transportation can levy against corporations for breaking these rules. And increase inspections. ABC's Jay O'Brien says it has to clear the hurdle of getting 60 votes in the Senate and that there could be stiff opposition from lobbying groups. J.D. Vance, who's one of the sponsors of this rail legislation, got asked if he was concerned that lobbying from the rail industry would be a huge impediment to pass this rail safety legislation, and if he believes that any kind of rail legislation would get 60 votes, the bipartisan number of votes that it needs to pass in the Senate. He's confident that he will get those 60 votes, he along with Sherrod Brown of Ohio, but again, still an uncertain question. The Senate also dealing with the absence of one of its leaders this week. Staffers say Republican leaders Leader Mitch McConnell got a concussion and was hospitalized after falling at a Washington fundraiser. Well wishes from both sides of the aisle quickly poured in, like this one from Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. My colleagues joined me in wishing uh, Leader McConnell a speedy recovery. We hope he returns uh, to the Senate very soon. More from ABC News Chief Washington Correspondent Jonathan Carl. In a briefing to Republican senators, McConnell's chief of staff said that the senator is alert, he is talking, and he's expected to make a full recovery. At 81 years old, McConnell is the fourth oldest senator. Uh, back in 2019, he suffered another fall broke his shoulder back then and spent several weeks working from home. Among those wishing McConnell well is uh, President Biden. President Biden said that he spoke to his family and that, quote, I think he's going to be all right. But despite the absence, lawmakers in the White House could be teeing up another back and forth on government spending. Building a budget requires some really hard decisions. But all over America, families are sitting around their kitchen tables making decisions that are equally consequential. That's who my budget is for. President Biden unveiling a budget proposal this week totaling $6.8 trillion that he says reflects his values and what government should prioritize. Here's ABC News senior White House correspondent Mary Bruce. Biden's plan calls for new social spending on things like family leave and universal pre-K. It would also shore up Medicare and aim to lower prescription drug costs. It also features big hikes in defense spending, more money for police and border security. To pay for it all, the president is calling for tax hikes on large corporations and Americans making over $400,000 a year. We also have to ask the wealthiest and biggest corporations to begin to pay their fair share. 
His budget has no chance of passing in the Republican House, but the president is using it to challenge the other side to show Americans what they stand for. As President Biden challenges Republicans to show him a plan. Let's have a conversation about how to grow the economy, lower costs and reduce the deficit. Republicans on the House Freedom Caucus also stressing that they won't agree to raise the debt ceiling without making some cuts. Congressman Bob Good of Virginia. We're going to bring fiscal sanity to this country. You have to wonder, is the president economically illiterate? Is he fiscally illiterate? Or does he just intentionally want to further harm the country? The debt ceiling is the legal amount of money that the U.S. government can borrow to pay off its existing bills. President Biden saying that he doesn't want to delay negotiations. All this talk pushing me to get my budget done. I said I'd have it done by the 9th. I had it done by the 9th. I handed it to you guys. I handed it to them. Why all of a sudden can't they get it done in March or maybe even April, maybe even May? I mean, I don't I don't know. It doesn't sound like on the level yet. This as a new jobs report out this week points to an economy trying to bounce back from the height of the pandemic. Here's ABC's Elizabeth Schulze with the numbers. The jobs market has been defying expectations, and this report shows another strong month of hiring. The government reported that 311,000 jobs were added to the economy in February. That was better than expected, and there were strong gains in industries from leisure and hospitality to retail to health care. The unemployment rate did edge up a little bit to 3.6 percent. ABC's Alexis Christophorus points out that these numbers could prompt the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates again in an effort to cool off inflation. Fed Chair Jay Powell just said this past week, he he warned that depending on what this report shows and next week's inflation report shows, that they could be more aggressive than we first thought. Also in Washington this week, the Biden administration considers a reversal on an immigration policy that would temporarily detain migrant families crossing the southern border. Here again, ABC News senior White House correspondent Mary Bruce. No decisions have been made, but I'm told that any family detentions would be limited to just a small number of days to allow for swift processing. Now, this would be significantly different than the policies under former President Trump, who, of course, separated children from their families and sought to detain migrants indefinitely. All of this comes as the administration is now scrambling to tackle what is expected to be another surge at the border in the coming months. Title 42, the public health rule that turned away migrants due to COVID concerns, is set to lapse in May. It was my baby. For him to be taken from me like that, it was it was very, very hurtful. That's James Woodard, the father of Shaid Woodard, one of the two Americans kidnapped, then killed in Mexico. Four Americans were in Mexico as medical tourists with one group member seeking a cosmetic procedure. That's when authorities say their van came under attack last week. Details from ABC's Matt Rivers. The mother of survivor Latavia Tay McGee telling CNN that the white minivan carrying McGee and friends Eric James Williams and Del Brown and Shahid Woodard was first hit by a van and then gunfire erupted. Shahid and uh, Zella, they all got shot at the same time. And she watched them... She watched them die. The four entering Matamoros around 9 a.m. on Friday so that McGee could get that cosmetic surgery. Nearly two hours later, gunmen opening fire on the group, then loading them into a pickup truck. Officials say the gunmen then took the group to various locations, including a clinic, to cause confusion and throw off authorities. ABC's Jim Ryan says a fifth person was supposed to be in the group but couldn't cross the border between Mexico and Brownsville, Texas. Forgetting her ID might have saved the life of a woman named Cheryl Orange. Without it, she couldn't 
student traveling to Mexico with her four friends for a medical appointment one of them had made for last Friday. On Saturday, she got worried and then that's when she called us and that is when we initiated what we call a welfare concern. Martin Sandoval of the Brownsville Police Department. That is when all the social media started coming out about what was happening. Video and images posted showing a violent abduction in Matamoros. Two of Cheryl Orange's friends were killed. Two spent four days in the hands of kidnappers. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Dallas. A cartel group is also allegedly taking responsibility for the attacks. Here's ABC's Alex Stone. On Thursday, in the same area where four U.S. citizens were kidnapped, two of whom were killed, five men were found tied up near a pickup truck. A handwritten note found on that truck said the authors of the note belonged to the Gulf Cartel, the dominant organized crime group in that part of Mexico. The note saying some Gulf Cartel members were responsible for the kidnappings and killings and apologized. The note said it was delivering the men involved and directly responsible for the kidnappings, referring to the men who were tied up. Three sources confirmed ABC News the men were taken into custody by Mexican police. Mexican authorities believe the note was legitimate. Alex Stone, ABC News. ABC News has also learned that the five suspected members of the Gulf Cartel have been charged with aggravated kidnapping and murder by Mexican authorities. The attacks have also highlighted the travel advisories that the State Department has issued for certain parts of Mexico. Here again, ABC's Matt Rivers, who says that American travelers should be mindful of where to go and where to avoid when making a trip. The State Department reminding Americans about travel advisories to Mexico following the harrowing kidnapping of four Americans at gunpoint that turned deadly. The travel advisory for uh, Tamaulipas State remains at level four. Do not travel. Uh, We encourage Americans to heed that Keep that advice. And Tamaulipas, not the only part of Mexico under such a level four advisory. The State Department now with do not travel warnings for six Mexican states. That level four travel warning also seen in places like North Korea and Afghanistan. And while tourists flock to popular beach destinations in Mexico, the U.S. government has travel warnings in place for all but two Mexican states, including those home to Cabo San Lucas, Mexico City and Cancun. Violence in Cancun sparking headlines in 2021. Multiple shootings near popular beaches, in some cases causing tourists to take cover in sheer panic, left right in the crosshairs. Mexico has since dispatched hundreds of National Guardsmen to patrol the beaches up and down its Atlantic coast, making for odd images of people in bathing suits next to soldiers in body armor. But as nerve-wracking as all that is, and rightly so, some context. Most popular Mexican tourist destinations are rated a level two by the State Department. That's the exact same rating given to France, the UK, and dozens of other countries. Millions and millions of Americans travel to Mexico safely each year without any incident. A shooting at a Jehovah's Witness hall in Germany leaves seven people, including the alleged shooter and an unborn child, dead. ABC's Tom Rivers has more on the shooting, which has stunned Hamburg, the country's second largest city. Officials say the gunman was a 35-year-old German national who fired more than 100 rounds during the attack. The man had a weapons license and legally owned a semi-automatic pistol. But it's been disclosed that the suspected shooter was previously investigated after authorities received a tip that he might not be suitable to bear firearms was found not to have broken any rules. Dozens of missiles fall all over Ukraine this week, reaching as far west as Lviv, near the Polish border. ABC's James Longman has more. Russia unleashing a deadly wave of attacks across Ukraine, the biggest missile barrage so far this year. More than 90 missiles and drones, dozens hitting their targets, slamming all corners of the country. Six people killed. 
and power cut in multiple regions. Six of the launches were advanced hypersonic missiles, the most Moscow has fired so far in this war. They can fly more than five times the speed of sound, and Ukraine can't shoot them down. It's prompting U.S. officials to reaffirm a commitment to help Ukraine's forces. ABC's Karen Travers has that. White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby says the Russian strategy is to simply brutalize the Ukrainian people. Kirby said on ABC's Good Morning America that the target of Russia's barrage of missiles appears to be civilian infrastructure. Electricity uh, and the heat, of course, and we think 40 percent now of the population of Kiev now is without heat. Kirby said the administration is working to prepare the Ukrainians for the expected Russian assault this spring so the Ukrainians can conduct offensive operations of their own. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. China was one focus on Capitol Hill this week as a top U.S. intelligence official laid out a frank assessment. More from ABC's Justin Finch. China dominating the Senate's worldwide threats hearing. Top U.S. national security official Avril Haines outlining why. The CCP represents both the leading and most consequential threat to U.S. national security and leadership globally, and its intelligence-specific ambitions and capabilities make it for us our most serious and consequential intelligence rival. Haines also saying China's long-term economic growth is on track to decelerate as its rapid growth period comes to an end. Justin Finch, ABC News. Washington. The origins of COVID-19 and China's role in it also dominating a House Select Subcommittee hearing this week. The Republican-led panel inviting witnesses who believe that COVID was the result of a lab leak in Wuhan, China. Here's ABC's Rachel Scott. Dr. Robert Redfield, the former CDC director under President Donald Trump, testified he was excluded from discussions with Dr. Anthony Fauci and other scientists because he believed that the lab leak theory needed to be investigated. I was told to me that uh, they wanted a single narrative and that I obviously had a different point of view. But Dr. Fauci telling Politico that accusation is completely untrue, saying no one excluded anyone. An indication this week that former President Trump could be criminally indicted by New York prosecutors soon. ABC's Aaron Katursky explains. Sources tell ABC News the Manhattan District Attorney's Office has informed former President Trump of his right to testify before the grand jury that has been hearing evidence about his role in the $130,000 in hush money paid to Stormy Daniels and whether Trump's company properly accounted for it. Targets of investigations in New York are required to be given the chance to tell their side of the story, and we're told the invitation to Trump came in recent days. He blasted this case, calling it simply insane and insisting he did absolutely nothing wrong. The nation's 16th largest bank has failed this week. Silicon Valley Bank, which serves many tech companies, shuttered its branches in California and Massachusetts. The FDIC seizing the bank's assets. Here again, ABC's Alex Stone. This is the largest bank failure since Washington Mutual failed in the 2008 financial crisis. The FDIC ordering the closure of Silicon Valley Bank and immediately took over its money. The bank had $209 billion in assets at the end of 2022. The warning sign showed midweek when the bank announced it was trying to raise capital after some big losses. Silicon Valley Bank has been heavily exposed to the tech industry. Tech companies are losing valuations right now. They're taking out money. Many other banks, analysts say, are in better shape. Snow, then rain from north to south in California this week. Emergency crews out in full force as some communities get buried under snow and others are trying to avoid the rush of floodwaters. ABC News senior meteorologist Rob Marciano with more. Evacuations in Santa Cruz County. Rain pouring down as deputies go door to door looking for any residents that are still home. 
the Felton Grove community beginning to flood. In San Bernardino, firefighters coming together to help clear roofs after nearly eight feet of snow piled up since the end of February. And Big Bear roofs collapsing, some leaking, leaving residents wet and worried. Coming up. I like when naked people run on the stage. I would like to see more of that. Some Oscar pre-gaming when World News This Week continues. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. It's Oscar weekend. The 95th Academy Awards is going to feature some major changes. ABC News Entertainment reporter Jason Nathanson tells us that starts even before the guests get inside. A big change for the Oscars this year, the red carpet won't be red. Host Jimmy Kimmel was part of unveiling this year's champagne carpet and couldn't help but throw in a joke about last year's Will Smith, Chris Rock smack. I think the decision to go with a champagne carpet rather than a red carpet shows how confident we are that no blood will be shed. Kimmel hosting the Oscars for a third time. This year's Oscars does have to deal with that elephant in the room. Back to Jason Nathanson, who has heard the producer's plan. Sunday night's Oscars come a year after last Last year's show was eclipsed by a slap, Will Smith hitting Chris Rock after a joke about Smith's wife's short hair. Rock's Netflix special last weekend reopened the wound, so is it something that gets mentioned Sunday night or ignored? We're going to acknowledge it, and then we're going to move on. Oscars executive producer Molly McNearney says that's her sense of what people want, especially those that'll be inside the Dolby Theater. We don't want to make... Uh, this year, about last year. She says it'll be addressed in a comedic fashion. But producers do want to move on from last year, and that's a great thing for this year's nominees who are riding a huge wave of Oscar buzz, especially everything, everywhere, all at once, a film that's virtually swept the award shows this year. ABC News Entertainment reporter Sandy Kenyon says it appeals to viewers who maybe haven't paid much attention to the Oscars before. This is a movie that speaks to Gen Z. It's also a movie that speaks to the immigrant experience. It embraces a younger crowd and brings that younger crowd into the Oscar show. With everything everywhere all at once, heavily favored to win Best Picture, Kenyon says the two down-to-the-wire categories will be Best Actress in a Lead Role, and this one. Best actor race is really a two-person race between Brendan Fraser, who has this incredible comeback story with The Whale, wins numerous awards, including the award from his fellow actors in the Screen Actors Guild, and Austin Butler. Austin Butler won the BAFTAs, that's the British Academy Awards, and his portrayal of Elvis is so compelling. Host Jimmy Kimmel will take his third turn as Academy Awards host. Jason Nathanson checked in with him a few days before the show. Jimmy Kimmel telling me what we can expect from him. I'll be wearing shorts, eschewing the typical tuxedo, and I'll be in um, a pair of denim shorts. Will they be cut-off shorts? I'll reveal Of course they'll be cut-off shorts. He was the host on the chaotic La La Land Moonlight fiasco, and then there was last year's slap. I asked him if he likes those kinds of chaotic moments. Well, I'm not rooting for getting slapped, but it is fun when something weird happens. You know what kind of stuff I like? 
streaking. I like when naked people run on the stage. I would like to see more of that. And those are the people and events that made World News This Week. World News This Week was written and produced by Joy Piazza and DJ Moran. I'm Chuck Sievertson, ABC News, New York. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.